Yeah, so the Lord put something very specific on my heart, and um, the word was really, was really trust the Lord. And be perfectly honest, uh, there are areas of my life that I struggle to trust God with. There are areas of my life that I feel that I trust God completely. There are areas of my life where I feel like I mostly trust God. And the Lord showed me there's areas of my life where I don't really trust Him at all. And just the Lord rebuked me, convicted me, I repented, and I'm learning, and I feel like it's just a message for our church um, as we are we're entering a new season. Um, we're, you know, we'll, we'll talk later about um, some vision I have for our church at the end. I'll, I'll talk about that. But um, we're entering a new season, and we have to trust God. This is his church. He is our father. He is the one who causes the church to grow. We're going to talk about that a lot uh, with some scriptures. But it is his church. We have to trust him. And if I'm being completely honest, you know, I trust the Lord a lot with my business. The first two years when I started my business, I, I trusted uh, the Lord. I, I stepped out in faith, and then things got really hard, and he, he just taught me how to trust him more and more and more. And continually as the business was, was growing, I, I learned more and more how to just surrender it to him, trust him. And today, you know, it's, it's abnormal for me to lay awake stressing about work, but it's completely normal for me to lay awake at night stressing about the church, about Austin Chapel. It's completely normal for me to leave on a Sunday and just be completely frustrated with God and to be even angry at times or want to quit. I don't know any church planner who doesn't want to quit about half the time, but <laughs> that's just to be honest. And the Lord was like, you trust, you've learned to trust me with a lot of areas of your life, but you have this area that you just don't trust me on. It's my church, not yours. You have to trust me. And that's the word he gave me. You know, I, he kind of gave me this picture uh, as we were worshiping. Um, my son trusts me, like, a lot, right? Like, he'll stand on the counter, and he just, like, literally jumps at me, and he knows that I'll catch him, right? There are areas, like, he trusts me to provide food for him. He provi- trusts me to provide shelter for him. There are so many areas that my son completely trusts me. He trusts me with a lot of things just... Probably not even even consciously, just subconsciously, just completely trust me with it. But I tried to cut his hair yesterday, or I did cut his hair yesterday, and he did not trust me whatsoever. Like, not in the least, right? Once he saw those clippers come out, he thought I was going to murder him, <laughs> right? He thought I was going, like, he, he screamed bloody murder. We had to pin his arms down. Melissa's holding him, holding his arms like this. And I'm, like, pinning his head against Melissa. And we're shaving, like, the sides of his head. And he did not trust me whatsoever. The Clippers did not hurt him, right? He looks better today than he did yesterday. It was for his best. At one point, he was freaking out so bad, I picked him up, I took him to his room, and I, I said, I know what's best for you. I am your father. You will trust me. You will settle down. We're going to finish your hair, okay? And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then he goes back in there, and not at all. <laughs> like, not at all. Like, still freaking out. Uh, he has a bald spot from when I was trying to trim around his ear, and he jerked. It was, it was a mess. But you know what's crazy is he completely trusts me in, in, in some areas. 
Like a hundred percent, without doubt, without question, but he did not trust me whatsoever when it came to cutting his hair. And we all probably have areas in our life where it's just so natural for us to trust God. You trust God with your breath, with, with the beating of your heart. You maybe trust God with certain uh, areas in your life with, with work or whatever. And there may be other areas of your life, um, something going on where you don't trust him whatsoever you lie awake at night panicking or you or you're constantly questioning him or whatever it is and you know for me um that i've got a lot going on in in my life you know we got a baby on the way i'm raising one kid i have a wife and and uh, business and all those things but i trust god with all those things you know I, i never am worrying about our kids or um my marriage or and he was the things I know that God has is, is always been providing, and I trust him completely. And then it came to our church, and I realized I just don't really trust him with it yet. God convicted me of that. He's like, it's not even yours. Like, it's not even yours. It's mine. You have to trust me. If you guys want to turn to Mark chapter 4, it's going to be the text we start out with. Um, we do not have slides, so you will have to turn and flip around today. Mark chapter 4, all of these verses I will be reading out of the ESV today. Um, we're just, I'm teaching out of my journal notes today. In Mark chapter 4, you find two parables of, of a seed or of the sower. The first one is the one that everybody knows. The sower goes out, he throws the seed. You have some areas where... You know, the birds take it, others where it's choked up, other areas where it doesn't last, and you have the good soil. And that's, that's often what we think of when we think of the uh, parable of, of the sower. But if you go to Mark chapter 4, verse 26, you have another parable about a sower and a seed called the parable of the seed growing. Let's read that. Mark four, twenty-six. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because harvest has come really sticks out about that he does this work of, of scattering the seed and and when the time is right he gets to harvest the, the produce um but it says that he just goes to bed falls asleep he wakes the next day he goes on with his life you know he does not know how it grows you know, now, you know, this is 2,000 years ago. Now we, we, we've studied about how seeds germinate and all that stuff. Now we, we learn these kind of things in, in third grade science. But, you know, even then, when you really look at it, it's kind of crazy. You put a little tiny thing into the ground, and then 100 years later, you have a giant tree, you know, or whatever it may be. It just grows. Um, the farmer does not know how it grows. He just goes to bed and trusts the Lord with it. We do not have to understand how God 
grows his church, how God um, develops the gospel in someone's heart. In fact, we do not understand it. If there was a formula, they would be selling it, and every church planner would buy it. <laughs> but here's the thing is, like, nobody knows the formula. It, it's different every time. You look around at all the different revivals, they were different every time. Different scenarios, different people, different context, something different that happened. You look in Scripture, God was always doing things in different ways. There is no formula. We simply scatter the seed and we just trust God for the harvest. And we do not know how it works. And trust me, there are, there are literally bookstores full of books trying to teach people how to plant churches or grow a church or grow people or disciple people. Or, and at the end of the day, like God either gets a hold of people's hearts or he doesn't, Right? At the end of the day, that is the only thing. There's very little we can actually do to, to, to cause a church to grow or to cause people to grow in their own spiritual walk. There are things that the Bible clearly suggests that we do, things that we, we do put input in. We'll talk about that. But overall, like God gets a hold of people's hearts. God makes the church grow. God makes people grow. And it's foolish to think that we have a lot. Um, to do with it. When it says here that the farmer just goes to bed, doesn't know how it grows, but he just trusts that it will. I want us to turn to Acts 2.47. 47, it says, this is the early church. This is as they're practicing um, community. They're, they're they're growing together, and it says this, Praising God and having favor, favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Who added? Who, who, who added? The Lord added. You guys didn't hear it? Who added? The Lord added to their number day by day. Again, who added to their number did, did you add to their number? Did I add to their number? Did, did, did Peter add to their number? No. Who added to their number? The Lord added. That was weak. Who added to the number? The Lord. And day by day, just as the farmer, he went to sleep and he awoke. He went to sleep and he woke. And, and the fact that he's going to sleep shows that he trusts God. Because people who don't trust God, people who are leaving in anxiety or fear or worry, they don't sleep well. But the idea is you just, day by day, you just trust the Lord, you go to bed, and you trust him. And he adds to the number day by day. Now, of course, it's not to say that we, we don't do anything. Right? The Bible's pretty clear uh, of the, some of the things that we should do. Um, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 3. We're going to look here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people from flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. 
and even now you are not ready for it, for you are still of flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the, of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. For when God says, I, for, one, for one, one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. A pretty interesting passage here. Paul begins by rebuking them for aligning themselves with man rather than with God. They found their church identity in their local leader or preferred leader. Paul rebukes them and he says that they are walking in the flesh. They're acting in the flesh when they, when they subscribe to Paul or Apollos. Paul then says, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? They're nobody. They're just servants of God. We did not grow the church. We did not cause the growth in your own spiritual life. We simply served God and God caused you to grow. God gets the credit. God gets the honor. So yes, there is a part to play. There is absolutely a part to play. We get to scatter seed. We get to water it. We get to try to maintain it. But ultimately, God gives the growth. What's, what's amazing about this? That means we can just trust him. You know, I read this, read these passages, and I was like, so just trust me. Just trust me. Trust me with the church. Trust me with the people in the church. Now, of course, we do our part. You know, I'm inviting people. I'm sharing the gospel people we're we're going to be doing more outreaches this year we'll be starting new community groups this year we'll continue the ones we're doing we'll keep scattering seed we'll keep watering but god gives the growth god gives the growth and that means he gets all the glory all the honor all the credit for it and I think we have to just surrender. Maybe some of you never worry about Austin Chapel, right? You're like, whatever, it's our church. I don't, I don't, I don't lay awake at night <laughs> worrying about it. Maybe some of you don't worry about it except for when we have a Sunday where it's small. <laughs> and they go, oh, <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, we cannot worry about it. And of course, we should act. There are things we must, we must do. The Bible's clear. We make disciples. We evangelize. We scatter seed. We water the seed. 
But worrying is something that we should never do when it comes to the church. Never. His God, it's, here's the thing. God calls it his building, his bride, and his children. <laughs> like, as much as God maybe cares about my business and, and, and other things in my life, I think he would care about his own building, his own children, and his own wife more. So if I can trust him with a painting business, I should be able to trust him with the church. His bride, his building, his children. If you're a married man with kids, those are probably the three things that you care for the most. Right? Your wife, your children, your house. (laughs) Right? That's what you take care of. That's your first priority. Make sure my wife is happy. Make sure my kids are happy. And make sure the house is in good order. All right? Same thing with God. He takes care of his wife. He takes care of his children. He takes care of his house. And that is his church. It's a beautiful picture. He wants to take care of the church. He doesn't want to. He is. And he will. And ultimately, we know it's going to all turn out perfect. So we have to trust God with the church. So for me, maybe this is this was a rebuke from the Lord, a moment for of repentance for me as, as your pastor. But I also want to challenge you, what are you not trusting God with? What are you not trusting God with? It literally could be anything in your life. It's time to trust him. Turn to Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Maybe some of you are like, you know what, things are pretty good right now. Like, I'm not struggling with a lot of fear right now. I'm not struggling with much anxiety. I seem to trust. Is your trust in God, though? Because you could feel like, I'm trusting. I feel secure. I feel safe. I feel okay right now. But maybe your trust is in something besides God. Maybe your trust is in your ability. Maybe your trust is in the fact that things are okay right now. And that's your chariot or your horse, right? So you're trusting, like, I feel good, I feel safe, I feel secure. But if your trust is in the wrong source, that you will eventually find it failing. Because it says that they collapse and fall, but we rise and stand up. It is really easy to trust your own ability Trust circumstances and think that you're trusting God. You, the problem is, if, you, if your heart's deceiving you, you won't know until it happens. You won't know until it happens. Because our hearts misguide us so easily. So I want to encourage you put your trust in God, trust Him completely, trust Him with everything in your life. And if you find yourself like, no, my trust financially is actually in my savings account. My trust 
uh, with, with my family is that things have been going fine right now. We're healthy. Like, everything's in good order. Your trust may actually just be circumstantial. So preemptively trust God. Bible um, or Philippians, it talks about how when we, when we choose to have joy and, and peace in God, we're putting a rampart. We're putting a wall around us that protects us from anything that attacks. You put your trust, your peace, your hope, your joy in the right place, even when things are good, or I would say especially when things are good. Don't put your joy, peace, trust, hope in anything around you, but put it on God. And you will guard yourself against any attack of the enemy. Let's look at Romans 15. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with We really, we really all seek peace. We really all seek joy, happiness. We seek hope. And we live in a country where it's really, really easy to find it other places. It just is. You know, you see a, a lot of the time the Israelites were falling away. It was when everything was okay. You look, read through the Old Testament, you look at the different times where they would reject God or, or, or fo- go f- a, a far away from Him spiritually. Oftentimes it was when things were secure. Things were fine. Things were a little too good. There was, there was too much opportunity. There was too much wealth. There were too many options. So they started exploring other things. And that led them down to a, a path where all of a sudden, they're really far from God. Again, our trust and our hope, our joy, is not in the chariot or the horse. Those things will eventually fail us. I talked in First Timothy chapter 6 last week that we can't take any of those things with us. The only thing that we can take with us is our hope and peace in God, which He gives freely to us, Right? That's our hope. That's our peace. We're living for this other kingdom where we can literally take nothing here. None of the things that give us joy here, none of the things that give us peace here, none of the things that we trust here can we take to the next life. It's only those things that we invest in God, that we we have in God, that we can take to the next life where we're with him in eternity. Revelations 21 Verse 5 says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. 
These words are trustworthy. Are you looking at the words of God? What he says about life, what he says about afterlife, what he says about your financial circumstances, your family circumstances, what he says about our church, are you considering him trustworthy and true? Be trustworthy and true. My hope is that as we're going into this new season with, with our church, that we would trust him completely, believing that he is trustworthy and true. And what he says is trustworthy and true. So when he says that God gives the growth, we say that's trustworthy and true. When he says, throw the seeds out and I'll make them grow, we say that's trustworthy and true. When we say, Apollos, Paul, and Stephen are nothing. You guys are ready for that one, I'm sure. You're like, yeah. Trustworthy Trustworthy and true. When he says that that he is our place of hope, that he is our place of joy, that he is our place of peace, we say, you are trustworthy and true. When he says that he's the God of hope and he wants to give you hope abundantly, we say you're trustworthy and true. So we're entering into a new season with our church, and the Lord gave me really two verses as a theme for the rest of this year. We're going to be doing a series next Sunday at our new venue called Ghost. We'll be talking about paranormal activity. The Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take a three-week break, and we're just going to play the paranormal activity movies. No, we're not doing that. It'll be horrible. Okay. You know, the Lord uh, gave me two verses that are the theme for the rest of this year for our church. The first is this. Now, the... The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. The second verse he gave me was, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So we're starting off at our new, our new venue. I know... I've already been inviting people. Other people are inviting people. I'm excited to see what God will do. And we're going to start off with a three-week series on the Holy Spirit, on the Holy Ghost. Because where the Spirit is, there's freedom. And the word that kept coming to mind as I've been praying for our church, as I've been praying for what our church should be all about, been reworking our vision statement and reworking even some of our partnership stuff. And the thing that the Lord has just been impressing upon me is that Austin Chapel would be a place of freedom. That those who've never heard the gospel or who have rejected the gospel before, they would, they would in one form or another, either at Austin Chapel, one of our community groups, or through one of our people in their lives, they would experience freedom. They would experience breakthrough. Because that's what the gospel is. It is not restricting. It's liberty. It's freedom. 
It's freedom from sin, but it's also freedom to live out the destiny He has for you. It's freedom to, to live out the calling and identity that He has prepared for you. And so anyone who doesn't know Christ, they would find Austin Chapel as a place where they would find freedom from sin and freedom of new life, of a new calling, of a new identity. But also people in our church would experience freedom again and again. When the old creeps its way back in, when they willfully chain themselves up to a sin again, they would find freedom again. The Austin Chapel is a place where people find freedom. Unbelievers, new believers, and old believers. <laughs> that they would find freedom. Not just from sin, but from sin so that they can live a more powerful life. A life that God has prepared for them, individually, specifically. He's prepared good works for each of you. He's prepared good works for each of the people we will reach. Before time was, he knew what he wanted to do with your life and, and people that we will see in the future, their lives. And the theme has to be freedom. For our church right now, the theme is freedom. But you know what? We need the Spirit of God to do it. Because I can't do it. I can't set any of you free, I can't even set myself free. It is only the Spirit of God working in our hearts that we become free. It is only by the power of the Holy Ghost through the work of the Son that we have been set free. And we have no possible way to offer freedom to people in Austin without it. You are not that good, you are not that strong to fix yourself, and you definitely cannot fix other people. And we are foolish to think so. You have nothing to offer them. Only the Spirit of God does. And if you offer them anything else, it's going to fall short. It won't work. So This has to be a church. When people walk in, it's a place where the Spirit of God is offering freedom. When they go to our community groups, it's a place where the Spirit of God is freeing people. When we go out into our workplaces, our social circles, we walk and we, we walk with the power of the Holy Spirit to offer people freedom because of the work of Christ. That's what excites me, you guys, is I'm, I'm just trusting the Lord now. I'm going to invite people, I'm going to share the gospel. And I'm going to go to the Word, and we're going to teach the Word, and we're going to love on people so that they're watered. But we can't do any real work. And you're hearing me correctly. If the Spirit of God does not ignite people's hearts, the Word will fall on deaf ears. The seed will not grow. We have to trust God. And anytime you're at community group, you're like, man, I wish these people would get, get it. You can't do anything. Just pray for them. You can't. I'm learning that more and more. Like I could, I could read scripture to them. I could, I could teach them from my own personal lessons. I could, I could pour myself out. But if the Spirit of God doesn't do the work, it doesn't matter. We have to just trust Him with our church. To do whatever work. He wants to do. That's what I'm excited about. I'm excited for the future of our church. I'm excited to just 
fully and completely trust him with our church as we move forward, I, I am asking you guys to join me in that. To just trust God with our church. Not worry about it. Let's consider him trustworthy and true. Just believe. The Spirit of God will bring about freedom. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for each of the people here today. Thank you for their commitment and their hearts, God. Thank you for their commitment to you as their king, as their savior, as their father. Thank you that you've blessed me personally to to work alongside these people, to um, be servants in your field with these people, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would be humbled. I pray that for myself, God, that I would just continually be humbled at the fact that I have nothing to offer people, but you have everything to offer them. God, we trust you with our church. We consider you trustworthy and true. Spirit, fall upon these people here today. Empower them. If there are areas that they need freedom from, in their own life, free them now in the name of Jesus. Lord, send your spirit upon each and every single person here today. Any fear, let them be free from it. Any anxiety, let them be free from it. Any addiction, let them be free from it. So that as we go out, Lord, we are just singing and speaking of the joy that we are experiencing in, in the freedom of Christ. And then that would be what, what others witness and what others experience from our church, Lord. From our little local congregation. This is a place of freedom in Jesus' name. Amen.